Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, February 14th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news and get to one little bit in the mailbag. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serrata. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer Chris Evangelista. Hello. Okay, guys. Uh, it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Um, is anybody what did you get us? I uh, got you. Uh, I you can't even give Valentine's at work now because of HR. Uh, so, uh, what, what are you guys doing for Valentine's Day? Anything exciting? Waiting for our gift from you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> come okay. on, Peter. I I kept uh, dropping hints all week. <laughs> I I mean, you should have just told me, Chris, that you wanted. Right. Uh, to well, be my it Valentine. means more. It means more if you realize it yourself. Ah. Uh, that's true. We don't want to have to remind you. It's a thought that counts, Peter. Yeah, you should care. Yeah, but I think you got to be a little bit more <laughs> obvious and not subtle. I mean, if, right, if, we're, being, if, we're being pretty keep, obvious right now. Yeah, keep this in mind for next year. Get yeah, You sure. have a whole year now to plan. Okay, so so you guys don't have any Valentine's Day plans, it sounds like? No, my girlfriend doesn't uh, live here with me, so... Uh, we can't really do anything together. You don't, you don't. You don't do an online Valentine's Day, like watch a romantic comedy together on the phone. We were. We're. We, we're going to try to watch something tonight, but she's supposed to babysit for her sister uh, and her and her husband, uh, their kids, so that they can go out and have a Valentine's Day date. Um, so maybe, but she's going to be here visiting me next week anyway. So we'll probably just do something then. And Chris, you are married, so Valentine's Day is every day. Yes, that's right. Every day is a special day for my wife. She gets to <laughs> she gets to share a house with me. That's that's her Valentine. And every day she wakes up to those chalky hearts, and she hates them. <laughs> yes, I leave them on her pillow. So, so, so nothing special tonight. I mean, we'll probably you know no. I don't. We don't really like you know Valentine. I don't want to get into a thing, but Valentine's Day is is not a real thing. It's you know it's a it's a greeting card holiday. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Um, I usually take out uh, my girlfriend Kitra to a Valentine's Day dinner, but as I'm not sure if you know this, Brad, because uh, you were in a more suburban 
area. But when you live in a city and it's Valentine's Day, all the restaurants basically uh, take off their normal menus and then have like these prefix menus that they charge like four times the price for. It's kind of this big racket, uh, which, you know, I don't mind paying money and having a romantic dinner out. But the, the big problem is me and my girlfriend both have very different diets that are dynamically opposed to each other. She's a vegetarian right now, and I am a, on keto, which means I eat a lot of meat, and she doesn't eat any meat. And a lot of these prefix menus do not accommodate for both of those things. <laughs> so, so I think we're going to be celebrating Valentine's Day the day after Valentine's Day. Anyways, um, let's dive into the mailbag. Uh, really quick, yesterday we were talking about Frozen 2's teaser trailer and how uh, the trailer was kind of more dramatic, dark, and mature than we were expecting. And um, one of our readers, David, in, uh, David S. in California writes in that uh, to note that the first Cars 3 teaser trailer was similar with Lightning McQueen in a slow-motion car wreck. Um, and ultimately, that movie's tone was similar to the other Cars movies. So this is something, uh, his an observation his wife had. And, uh, I mean, that's a good point. But I also don't think, like, the, the, the box office on Cars 3 was enough to be like, let's repeat that marketing tactic of making this look dark and and uh, dramatic. But I, I guess that's probably not going to be a problem with Frozen 2, right? Yeah, I mean, Frozen 2, honestly, they didn't even have to release a trailer for that. Like, they could have just put, like, just the logo, and that movie is still going to make a fortune. So, yeah, I, I don't think... Or they could even have an even darker trailer where, <laughs> ever, <laughs> where like... Elsa drowns while trying to run across the ocean and people would still be like, all right, we'll still go see it. So I, I think they'll be okay. I have a trailer where Thanos comes out, snaps and, right. and, uh, snowman melts, whatever his name is, Olaf. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the news. we got a bunch to talk about today. Uh, let's start first with Ryan Johnson, who, as you know, is writing and developing a Star Wars trilogy, an original Star Wars trilogy outside of the Skywalker saga. Yesterday, some rumors turned up uh, kind of suggesting otherwise. Brad, what do we know? Yes, uh, yesterday evening, a rumor surfaced online from the website Super Bro Movies uh, that Ryan Johnson was no longer working on his own Star Wars trilogy. However, uh, the story spread like wildfire, but quickly it was debunked by Ryan Johnson himself, uh, who tweeted in response to uh, another fellow journalist online saying, no, it isn't true. I'm still working on the trilogy with all due respect to the movie bros, who I'm sure are lovely, kind bros with good fraternal intentions. Uh, and so the website well, where the story originated, Super Bro Movies, issued a, their own official apology and correction to their story. And Ryan Johnson, uh, continually being the most incredibly patient and understanding uh, person after all the vitriol that has been spewed at him from Star Wars fans, uh, was very kind about it. He just said, no harm, no foul at all, guys. Thanks. I think the rumor game makes fandom funner. So uh, the rumor isn't true. Ryan Johnson's very much still working on his own Star Wars trilogy. He's been busy working on a different project in the meantime, Knives Out, uh, ugh, Knives Out which has an incredible cast. It's a murder mystery. Uh, and so he's um, probably still developing Star Wars, but it's slow going for now because he's focused on this other movie. Uh, you know, even somebody like Ryan Johnson, who loves Star Wars, <laughs> wants a break from uh, a big property like that to do something a little bit different. 
every now and then. So uh, for those of you Star Wars fans who like The Last Jedi, good news for all of you people who didn't like The Last Jedi, uh, whatever. (laughs) Well, the biggest question here, Brad, is how is Ryan Johnson such a nice person still on this platform, even though everybody who at replies him is like such, you know, bad people? Yeah, I, I have no idea. It's it's amazing to me that he hasn't gotten rid of Twitter. Uh, I'm amazed that he hasn't just gone on a crazy tirade with some of these people because like some of these responses from people are just the the worst and they're just uh, relentless in their hate of this movie and constant uh, like throwing up in his face. Like he could say the most innocuous thing on Twitter and someone would respond and be like, the "Last Jedi sucked, fuck wit," <laughs> and it's just it's it's out of hand. So I I all kudos and respect to Ryan Johnson for just keeping his cool and still, uh, you know, just, just being a great guy in general. You know, the few times that Ryan Johnson has at replied me on Twitter in the last year, even when it had nothing to do with Star Wars, for like a day and a half, my at replies became unusable because just being on a chain with him and people like just having random people at reply, you know, to that message with just hateful filled things like death threats and you've ruined my childhood. It, like I, I honestly would not uh, blame Ryan Johnson if he, at the end of the day decided not to do the star Wars trilogy, because I don't know what he has to gain from this. Like it's, it seems like there's such a, and I'm not saying that all Star Wars fans are, th- are this, but there's such a uh, a big group of toxic Star Wars fans, and like I feel like I would, be, if I was him, I'd be like, you know what, this is a great opportunity to make my own like trilogy of big budget films, but it might not be worth this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it'll be interesting to see what people say about these movies when they come out. If people can actually, even the ones who hated the Last Jedi, can go into them with an open mind and maybe come out liking them. But uh, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to say the least. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to say here uh, really quickly is that, you know, you know, these rumors have been going on for months now and it's something that definitely has come across our, our desk and uh, how we or any r- reputable site f- treats this kind of thing is when we hear rumor like that, and I had heard rumors like that, I, t- I try to get a second source, uh, someone who is uh, reliable, who can confirm what I've heard independently. Um, I was unable to do that, which is why our site didn't report this rumor. Um, some sites out there will run things based on you know the whispers of one person or maybe one good source and uh that's sadly not how you know real news is done so uh anyways let's move on let's talk about the academy awards yesterday we were talking about the new changes and the controversy that that had spawned uh we now have gotten another response from the academy chris what do we know uh, we know that the Academy has no idea what it's doing. Um, the the give and take of this has been, you know, the Academy will announce something. Everyone on Twitter will say, what a terrible idea. And then the next day, the Academy walks it back. So the latest is uh, there were four categories that the Academy was not going to air during the ceremony, you know, cinematography and editing. Basically, the things that make movies actually movies, they were – saying they weren't going to air them uh, during the telecast. And everyone got up in arms about this, rightfully so. Uh, Today, they tried to clarify things, 
by issuing a letter saying, no, 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 we are going to air this stuff. What we're doing is we're cutting out people walking to the stage. I don't know how they're going to, I guess, because it's not like a, a live telecast, even though I thought it was. So I don't know how they're going to go about that. But well, what, what I assume is this is going to be recorded during the commercial. I think we said this yesterday in the podcast. And what would happen is they're probably going to truncate the they're probably going to have on the screen. Here's the nominees for, you know, uh, best cinematography. And the winner is, you know, blank, uh, you know, Alfonso oh, I, Cuaron I, I for whatever. It's be like, all of a sudden yeah. he's going to just be on stage for the acceptance. It's going to be like a bumper, basically, where it's like, this is what you missed while you were at commercial break. So and so won best editing like that's that's what i'm picturing it's going to be so i mean the the big thing here i think is they're kind of saying that the speeches won't be edited down and that's something i think a lot of people were worried about does that make this any better chris i guess i mean the fact that they're showing it is you know a step in the right direction and if you know as long as they don't you know, I I still have a feeling what they're going to do is they'll film the entire speech, but they're only going to play a snippet of it. But maybe I'm wrong. But I don't know. This whole thing just sounds like a mess. At this point, they should really just skip the Oscars this year and try and like spend an entire year thinking of what to do next year because it's it's just been a train wreck from beginning to end. There was someone on uh, Twitter the other day, maybe it was Phil Lord or Chris Miller, one of them suggested that all the nominees give the Academy like a list of thank yous before the ceremony so that they can put it on a ticker at the bottom of the screen for whoever wins. And then the winner of the award would not have would not uh, have the burden of actually thanking all those people and could actually make their uh, acceptance speech interesting and uh, something more entertaining. You know, I've, I've actually heard that suggestion before. And I, I do think on one hand, it's a good idea, but at the same time, I also think like if someone I knew like won an Oscar and like, I would love if they got on stage and like thanked me, like they said my name. And like, if they're not saying my name, I'd be like, well, that <laughs> sucks. Like no one's going to read the, the ticker like you know what if like you know you get up there and someone says like thank you to my beautiful wife for supporting me like now that's going to be gone if they do the ticker thing and then that guy's going to get home and his wife's going to be very upset with him for not saying her name on yeah. stage at the oscars the, the other problem is a lot of those people are in that room at the oscars so those right. people aren't seeing the ticker so like you know that guy's wife is in the audience and like right I, she's gonna be pissed on that limo ride home <laughs> like thanks a lot for yeah. not saying my name and you know bob Iger, whoever is you know out in the crowd you know he's not seeing that ticker so uh uh brad do you have any ideas of how we can we can fix this mess uh stop messing with the oscars let them be as long as they need to be and whoever wants to watch can watch them stop trying to turn the oscars into the super bowl just just let the show be i don't know i don't think that's the answer i feel like less and less people are watching for a reason I think there, there. I think there's a happy medium here, but I don't know what it is. I feel like there, you need, you need to not compromise the ceremony, but find a way to make it more entertaining. And I, I just feel like no one has cracked that code yet. But there, there must be an answer here. And uh, I, I just De- feel like debut, debut premiere trailers at every commercial break, so that way everyone has to watch the full ceremony if they want to see them all. That is a good idea. That's sort of like the Super Bowl, basically. People would watch it for the commercials. 
But some people don't I even think... want, to, want to watch trailers. Like, if you listen to the Slash Filmcast, those guys over there, like Dave and, and Jeff, they don't even, like, if a trailer comes on, they close their eyes and put their hands over their ears and, you know, make noises. That's... So they. That seems a bit much, guys. You should. <laughs> they do that in movie theaters too. Not not to make no, fun of them, but like I don't know. That... No, no, no. Let's make fun of them because that's ridiculous. <laughs> yes, that's a... <laughs> that's the, the, that's a bit much. Actually, a couple episodes on the Slash Film Filmcast. I I did want to mention that they they were answering a question in the Slash Film Court about is it okay to come into the movie late after showtime because you don't want to see the trailers. And they said, as long as you are coming in before the movie starts, it's okay. So if you're coming in like during the trailers or during the AMC bumper, that is okay. And I, w- I want to respond here. I don't think it's okay. Some of us go to the movie theater and enjoy the trailers. I know they don't. But that movie showtime is on the ticket. It is uh, clearly marked when you're supposed to be in your seats. So if if you're making me get up and move out of your way, out of the way for you and your children or whatever, during the middle of like some trailer I've never seen, that is that is. Yeah, but, not... Peter, yeah, but Peter, how often are you sitting in the theater and you're seeing a trailer you haven't seen? Like, actually, it happens more often than you think because there's. What did I see? I saw last night. I saw fighting with my family, which I'll talk about on the water cooler next week. But I enjoyed it, and there was a couple trailers on there that I had not seen. And yes, they were kind of like cheesy romantic comedy things that I probably wouldn't click on on slash film. But one of the reasons I love going to the movies, in addition to you know these big epic movies and seeing them on the big screen and experiencing that story, you know, in a room with many other people. Uh, is I've always loved seeing the trailers and I, I think it's not courteous to interrupt that experience. If that experience is after the time that the movie starts, like I know some theaters start commercials and stuff, uh, you know, before that run, that showtime, but after that showtime, when the lights dim and it's like, that's when it is, you should be in your seat and you should be not talking to your friends. No. I'm I don't know I'm I'm kind of torn because like while I do hate when people make a uh, noise and stuff when they come in during the trailers and I don't like when people are talking during the trailers there are times when like I'm either I'm running late or I specifically like give myself a little bit of extra time because I know that there is usually 20 minutes of trailers before uh, a movie at my local AMC theaters so sometimes I will purposely get there late because I have something to do and I just don't want to rush there um so like i don't know it's i'm i i can appreciate like not wanting to be bothered but i feel like that issue is something that's more so maybe in your area because it's los angeles but in my theater in here in the middle of midwest suburbia i don't really have that problem where the theater is so packed that somebody comes in late and they have to make me move and they bother me you know this is less of a problem in areas that don't have reserved seating do you have reserved seating in your area um, not at the theater that I normally go to, but there are some, uh, with in the, a little bit further away that I can do reserve seating at. Yeah. So like at, at theaters that don't have reserve seating, you want to get there as early as possible to get good seats. And thus people are not going to interrupt and, you know, be courteous. But like, if you have reserved seats, like in LA and with traffic and stuff, people show up at the last possible second. Uh, Chris, do you have any problems with this? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I actually do think people should get there before the trailers. And this is, this is a very specific reason, but, uh, the last few times I've gone to a, a regular showing, I've gone to, um, 
Thursday night showings of horror movies at 7 p.m. because I had to review them for the site. And this happens every time. I get in there. The theater is completely empty, and I'm so excited because I'm like, ha-ha, I'm going to have this entire theater to myself. The trailers <laughs> start. The trailers run for like 25 minutes. No one's in there. I'm thrilled. The minute the movie starts, the minute the studio logo comes up for the real movie, like four or five people always shuffle in and sit down right in front of me, and it's infuriating because I was tricked into thinking I was going to be alone. <laughs> So if these jerks would just get there <laughs> before the trailers like me, I would already have my expectations tampered. Yeah. I think we can all agree that people should be sitting in their seats before that movie logo pops up. Um, I wouldn't mind if people come in during that, like, AMC, you know, the thing that's like, thank you for being part of uh, Stubbs A-List and, like, that whole thing. Um, but I don't know. Okay, anyways, I, I've derailed this podcast. Let's talk about uh, Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible and what was originally meant to be. Chris, what do we know? Uh, yeah, so this was a long-standing rumor, and now we have uh, actual confirmation of it. So uh, I'm sure, as people will recall, back in um, the early 2000s, Tom Cruise's career was not in great shape, and it wasn't really because of his movies. It was because of his uh, just personal attitude. I mean, uh, he started dating Katie Holmes and he went on the Oprah show and he literally jumped up and down on her couch. And then he went on the today show and he basically said that psychiatry isn't a real thing. And he was, he was basically like blowing up his career before our eyes. And, uh, things got so bad that Paramount who he had had a long standing relationship cut ties with him. Um, a few years later, he mended ties with Paramount and they started planning a new Mission Impossible film. And that was the film that would become Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. But at the time when they were making that movie, they also cast Jeremy Renner in that film. And at that time, Jeremy Renner was still this up and coming guy who, you know, he was blowing up in a big way as, the, you know, this new it guy in films. And people started theorizing that, oh, I bet Jeremy Renner is actually going to take over the franchise and they're going to get rid of Tom Cruise. And Jeremy Renner even gave an interview to MTV where he more or less confirmed that. And then he quickly walked it back and said, no, 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 that's actually not going to happen. So, you know, there were all these theories or all these rumors that this was going to happen. But of course, Ghost Protocol came out. Tom Cruise didn't you know, go away. He stayed in the franchise and now it's almost impossible to think of a mission impossible movie without Tom Cruise. But that said, uh, during, um, an interview with the light, the fuse podcast, which is a podcast all about mission impossible, uh, Robert Ellswit, who is the cinematographer of both ghost protocol and rogue nation did finally confirm that, you know, the, the original script had it. So, Tom Cruise really was going to hand the, the franchise off to Jeremy Renner. The plan was at the end of the movie, Tom Cruise would become the new IMF director. Um, if you'll recall in Ghost Protocol, the the IMF director played by Tom Wilkinson shows up for like two minutes and then he gets shot in the head. So there's no IMF director in that movie. So that was setting up this original ending where Tom Cruise you know, oh, he's the new director and Jeremy Renner is the new face of the franchise. However, that didn't happen. Um, during While shooting, Christopher McQuarrie, who is now, you know, the guy who's made the last 
two movies and is going to make the next two came in for rewrites and they rewrote it. So, you know, this was different. This didn't happen. Ethan Hunt stayed in the franchise. So it came very close to happening, but at the last minute they pulled back. Now, is, is there anybody here that would have liked to have seen that happen? No, God, no, no. I don't, I don't have anything against Jeremy Renner, but no, I, I think there could have been a cool turn in this where he becomes the, the uh what do you call him director yeah the director the guy who always shows up at the beginning of the movie and says here's your mission mr hunt like that's what he, he was going to turn into well i think it could have been cool if he became the director and the next film was like marketed as like it's the jeremy renner movie and then like in the first like 30 minutes of the movie jeremy renner dies and he has to like you know step back down into his agent status but i guess there's no way to market that yeah that would be like it would it would just leak immediately, I think. But that, that is a, a neat idea. But yeah, there would be no way to like keep that a secret. I think. Okay. I'm glad they didn't do this. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, Kevin Smith. Uh, he's currently making Jay and Silent Bob reboot, uh, and uh, it looks like he's going to be replacing a classic Clerks lo- location. Brad, what do we know? Yes, uh, on Twitter, Kevin Smith uh, posted a tweet addressing Redbox. Uh, because apparently him and his people were having trouble getting in touch with them because they want to use Redbox as a replacement for the video store RST Video that Randall works at uh, in Clerks and uh, the rest of the View Askew movies. Um, so he they reached out to them uh, on Twitter and they responded, we're not sure if this is a good idea or not, but we're into it. Send us a DM so we can chat. So uh, we don't know anything uh, as far as like what this means for for the movie or why he needs a red box, but I imagine this likely means that RST Video is closed or will be closing because there's a red box outside now, which is a good representation of what has happened in the real world since uh, the events of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and even Clerks Two, since uh, things like Netflix and Hulu uh, have really uh, put a dent in video rental stores and there aren't really many open anymore. Uh, it would stand to reason that RST video uh, would not really last in this day and age. So it's not clear if this will be like a major plot point uh, that sets something into motion for uh, Dante and Randall. Because uh, you have to remember, at the end of Clerks 2, Dante and Randall actually uh, bought the Quick Stop with money that they got from Jay and Silent Bob uh, from the movie royalties and uh, help them buy quick quick stop and i don't know if they would i don't remember if that also included rst video but so they so there could be some kind of big change here and maybe that's what sets sets in motion um you know a new adventure for jay and silent bob since they can't hang out in front of in front of there anymore again who knows at this point we're not really sure exactly <laughs> what's going to happen in this movie but uh, i do think that is a, a little bit of a clever and, and funny touch and as somebody who uh, does like the uh, the original VSQ movies that Kevin Smith did with Jay and Silent Bob and all of the the characters crossing over into each other's movies. I'm I'm interested to see what what he does with this and if he still has uh, that magic touch with his own characters. Yeah, I think this is a clever uh, play on what would have happened. Uh, and I guess if they don't get Red Box to participate, they could always just like it be Blue Box or Green Box or you know be some kind of parody thing. I mean they've done that in the past and. The View of Skew movies. So, uh, but uh, I'm 
interested to see what this movie is going to be because I have not been a fan of the Kevin Smith movies post uh, Zack and Mary or maybe Red State was probably the last one I enjoyed. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see if this uh, sets, things, sets things back in the other direction or if maybe maybe it's just Brad, is it possible that we just have grown up past like this kind of humor? I think that's a little bit part of it, but I, I do still find um, the, you know, Kevin Smith's older movies fu- uh, funny. You know, they're, they're dated a little bit for sure. Um, but I, I do think still think those movies were funny. They're, I'm definitely more mature now, and they're, I appreciate a different kind of comedy, I guess, more. But I think there's still something to like about a lot of those older movies. And so uh, it, just, yeah, it, it just depends, you know, because Kevin, Kevin Smith has changed some too. And he still does, you know, a lot of the stoner jokes and stuff like that. But I, I feel like there's still some cleverness in, in his writing. Okay, let's get to our final story. And that involves Netflix and Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Uh, apparently, Netflix is saving all the choices that we have made on that choose your own adventure TV or I guess TV movie. Chris, what do we know? Uh, yeah, so this is ironic because it sounds like something literally out of Black Mirror. And at the time, you know, when Bandersnatch arrived uh, at the end of last year, everyone was sort of joking around about it. But it turns out it's true. Uh, Netflix has been compi- compiling all the data everyone has used to you know, pick their choices in Black Mirror Bandersnatch, the, the choose your own adventure episode. And they're... They're basically, you know, using that to uh, program, you know, new things. And on top of that, they're not revealing how long they're keeping the data, which is a little shady. Uh, uh, Michael Veal, who is a technology policy researcher from the UK, reached out to uh, Netflix um, to get this info. And they they gave it to him uh, sort you know, he, he made it sound like, you know, they gave it to him because he's well known in this field. But if he was saying like, if he was just some average guy asking for it, he has a feeling they would not have given them him the data, but they gave him the data and they confirmed that, you know, we, they really are holding on to this info. Now, you know, in the grand scheme of things, this isn't that bad. I mean, you know, like, Oh yeah. This info doesn't tell me anything about you. Like if I saw your info. But at the same time, there's like a, you know, you have to wonder where you draw the line because there was no disclaimer that popped up when everyone started watching Bandersnatch that said, oh, by the way, we're 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 mining your data. You know, there's but but so, I think there's probably a disclaimer when you sign up for Netflix that basically any choices or anything you you play, whatever they're they're keeping track of all of that. Right. Yeah. But who who would actually notice that? Like, I'm just saying, like, but we know that this- we know that Netflix makes their choices on what kind of new content to green light based on you know you know apparently you know when they made house of cards though the big story was that they saw a lot of people love political thrillers they saw a lot of people like kevin spacey movies so they were you know basing the decisions based on their users data from the users yeah but that's like a little there because they're, they're basing that off of what people are watching and this is like goes beyond that is literally the choices people are making like not just one choice like oh i picked this movie to watch it's a whole slew of choices and who knows what they're gonna do with that again i don't think it's gonna be anything <laughs> nefarious like netflix is gonna take over the world but uh it, it's still a little um eyebrow raising just that it's you know it's it's somewhat secretive and we also don't know how long they're keeping the data they they 
you know, they, they're not going to tell us how long they're going to hold on to that, maybe forever. Yeah. Now, what, what do you think they could do with this data? Like, do you think we'll get an episode of Black Mirror next season where one of the characters is eating one of those two cereals that we chose? And depending on which choice we made, it, they're eating that cereal? I, I don't even know. Like, I imagine they're going to use this for things even beyond Black Mirror. Like, uh, this is just like a shot in the dark. But, you know, the, you know, there's that option where you could either, you know, leave a room or get into like a fight. And, you know, if if the more people who chose the fight, you know, they could have programs with, you know, fights in them geared towards them versus, I don't know, the boring people who choose not to fight. You know, that's just like a shot in the dark. But I really don't know what the hell they're going to oh, do with this. That, that's interesting. So you're saying for the recommendations – if you chose to get into the fight rather than leave the room, then right. now Netflix is going to be recommending more like movies like Taken. Right. Or like we, that. you know, we own the night, you know, those movies that are just all about violence. They could be like, Oh, this person is, this person is bloodthirsty. Let's, <laughs> let's intentionally push violent stuff towards them. Or what, what if they use this data to help them green light and, uh, you know, acquire new original programming? What if, you know, they saw that a lot of people, you know, did not want that fight in that moment. So they're, you know, choosing when they're, they're making a new movie that, you know, they're making, you know, advising the, the screenwriter and the filmmaker to be like, you know, let's avoid the fight in this sequence because it seems like our, our user base does, is, does not want confrontation. I wouldn't be surprised if they do something like that. And that's a, uh, you know, again, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that bad, but uh, I would hate for art to <laughs> descend into that sort of decision-making. Although I know in many respects, it is already there. So it's a, it's a little discouraging. I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like they're going to use this data for black mirror and there's going to be episodes of black mirror where, like I said, there, there could be the serial thing. There could be, an episode where in the background there's a that TV show uh, from the end of Bandersnatch. Uh, spoiler alert! But there's it always ends in a TV program that kind of uh, wraps things up, and maybe the the ending that you got to first is the one that is playing in the background of the scene, or something like that. Um, I, I think it's going to be more something clever like that. And I don't know. I'm the optimist, not the cynicist here, uh, Brad. Do you have any thoughts on this? Um, not really. I like Chris said. Like, I, they're not really probably do anything sinister <laughs> with this information, things like that. I do think it's kind of intriguing that uh, I wonder if they if they will do something with Black Mirror where maybe they'll have certain elements that will, um, wherever you're playing it from, recognize like your account and it'll fill it with like certain details tied to the things you like, like. Like, I, I don't know how hard this would be for them to do or anything like that, but, like, I don't know, imagining, like, a like a, a scenario where there's a room and there are certain, like, posters, something on the wall or things like that, you know, where, and then it's just something that will be filled in the blank depending on what it is that you like so that it is more visually appealing to you. I, again, I don't know how difficult that is or how possible that is or, or anything like that but that's that's an intriguing idea yeah i knew they were playing around with the idea um but netflix was unable to accommodate it where uh first season of black mirror the episode listing would be different per the account in some way so the episode one for me would be different than the episode one for chris 
uh, which I think would just be very confusing online when you wanted to talk about things. But uh, it might be interesting if they did that based on your choices. Do you know what I mean? Like, so the next season of Black Mirror, maybe uh, the first episode is based on kind of choices I made in in Bandersnatch. But uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're overly thinking about this. Maybe Netflix doesn't even have any plans to do anything with this data. But, uh, I mean, it does seem like they love data at Netflix and they're going to do something with it. But uh, maybe we just don't have any idea what uh, what kind of things they're going to do with it. Um I, I think this is going to be more interesting as they have more choose-your-own-adventure content on the service and we start making more decisions and those that data starts to add up to something. Like, I don't feel like... Chris, I feel like you're right. There's not much they can learn about me as a person from the decisions I made in Bandersnatch. But maybe if, if I did 10 of these things then maybe there's some really hard data that they can learn about me and my, uh, you know, uh, violent tendencies or, you know, whatever, and then start recommending stuff to me. I think I feel like that could be scary and interesting. uh, And maybe maybe we'll not never even learn that that's how they're, you know, using the data. But uh, anyways, you can read all the stories we talked about on today's podcast on SlashFilm.com and linked in the show notes. This podcast, Slash Film Daily, is published every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. And please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow.